There you go. Uh, our logic was uh, we're going to do a, a season of sermons preaching through the healing miracles of God. Okay, and in response to that, uh, people are going to get healed. You know, God doesn't wait, does he? He's kind of off already. We're, we're kind of uh, running to catch up. We're kind of running to keep up with the whole angle of God. We haven't started uh, the series yet. Hold, hold back on the healings way. We've we got, we got to preach two or three sermons at least. We've got to get well into the series before you do anything. But God says, no, I'm just going just to touch you, just going to heal you. What an amazing God uh, we have. Hallelujah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we're starting or kicking off uh, well, we kicked off last week. Um, it's a real pleasure for me to, uh, to look at the first uh, story in some depth that we're going to be looking at uh, in our Unstoppable God series. So uh, let's just turn to John uh, chapter 4. Uh, it's probably a story that you've, uh, you've read uh, many times before, but uh, it's a really uh, exciting story, really important story to, to have as the first uh, healing uh, narrative that we look at. So John uh, chapter 4. Uh, And I'm just going to start reading from verse uh, 43. So after two days, he, that is Jesus, after two days he departed for Galilee. For Jesus himself had testified that a prophet has no honour in his hometown. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him, having seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the feast. For they too had gone down to the feast. So he came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, sir, come down Before my child dies, Jesus said to him, go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that this was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he believed in all of his household. And this was the uh, second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Uh, Lord, thank you for this word. Just pray you bless us as we unpack it. Just pray that you'd uh, uh, touch us with your your healing hand, uh, your word of truth. Thank you for being with us this morning. Amen. Let's... uh, Let's just uh, set the scene here, the story that, that have, uh, has been playing out so far. Jesus has been uh, in Jerusalem uh, at the feast, uh, celebrating the Passover. It's that scene where he, uh, he's incensed with, the, with the, uh, uh, the money that's changing hands in the temples, and he's, he's overturned uh, the tables of uh, the money changers. And he's been down to, to Jerusalem, and he's now returning to Galilee, to his home where he grew up. And to get from Judea to Galilee, uh, he would have had to have travelled through Samaria. That 70 mile or so journey would have taken him through Samaria. Now, Samaria was not a place uh, where Jesus would normally stay. Jews and Samaritans did not really get on. This was just a place that he needed to get through to, to get home. He wanted to get home. But something amazing has happened in Samaria. 
The people have come out, they've listened to the words that Jesus has been saying. It says here that a whole town came out uh, and just, just fell at his knees at the words that he was saying. It's been a remarkable time. And Jesus has wanted to go, he said, I'm going home. And they've begged him to stay, to stay, to continue to speak. And he's done that. He stayed for two days. And then when we pick the story up, it says, after two days, Jesus said, no, I've got to go now. I've got to return home. And he says something very strange there. He says, I've got to go home because a prophet is without honour in his hometown. That's really strange, isn't it? That's a reason to not go home. (laughs) That's a reason to actually find anywhere else but Galilee to be. A prophet is without honour in his hometown. Uh, I'm sure we've got lots of different versions, lots of different uh, translations here. If you look in your Bible, you'll probably find that is in brackets. Yeah? That bit that says Jesus said that a prophet is without honour in his own hometown. There's no brackets in Hebrew. Why have we got that bit in brackets? Well, that's because the translators don't know how to deal with this. They're facing the same problem. Jesus says, hey... I'm loving it in Samaria. The stuff's happening. We're seeing the miracles. We're seeing people coming to me. I'm going home because I'm without honour there. I'm going home because they don't like me there. I'm going home because I'm not respected there. So people put it in brackets and they say, well, what's that all about? And then when we read on in verse uh, 45, it says, when he gets home, when he gets home, they welcomed him. Oh, well, hang on a minute. We've just said he's without honour. We've just said he's without honour in his hometown. And now he's being welcomed. What's that all about? Have we got the right gospel? Have we got the right translation? He's going home back to the people that don't respect him. Going back home to the people that don't like him. Going back to people that won't honour him. Oh, but they'll welcome him. It's very strange, isn't it? And that's really important for this passage when we come to look at this official son. It's very important for us at the beginning of this series about preaching through the miracles of God to understand that it's possible to welcome Jesus but not to honour him. It's very possible to have a wrong perception of Jesus that says oh do come in do come and be with us I want to be with you but do that in a way that doesn't honour him and this is uh, this is nothing new we see this so many times in the scripture see this in the scripture it's a way of welcoming Jesus it's a way of saying that uh, he's someone that does the exciting stuff Someone that does the miracles. Someone that does the tricks. Oh, we're welcoming Jesus home. Suddenly the people in Galilee. Oh yeah, this is our boy. This is our boy that took the fight to the capital and overturned the tables and sorted out those moneylenders. Yeah, this is our boy. He's a bit of a celebrity now. He's a bit of a star. This is the one that turned the water into wine. Oh Jesus, you know, we've got a party next week. Could you come and do that? turning the water into wine trick. That would actually be really helpful. There's a way of welcoming Jesus that doesn't honour him. In the beginning of John chapter 7, it says this. 
Again, after Jesus went about in Galilee. Yeah, it says there. Try to find the passage. Oh, where is it? It's his brothers. It says to his brothers. His brothers say to him, uh, go and do your miracles elsewhere. So his brothers said to him, just at the beginning of John chapter 7, leave here, this is his brothers, and go to Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? His brothers come to him and say, look, Judea's not big enough. The miracles that you're doing here, go and show yourself to the world. Go and do these things elsewhere. No one does these things in secret. This all sounds good. And then we get to verse 5. For not even his brothers believed in him. Not even his brothers believed in him. Well, they believed in something. They believed in something. They said, hey, go to the world. Take your miracles to the world. But they weren't honouring him. You see, again, it was just someone who could do a trick. It was someone who could do a miracle. It was someone who could excite a crowd. Someone who could uh, uh, display a bit of power. But what about the man behind all of this? What about the man behind all of this? John 2 and 23. Again, we find this in Scripture all the time. When, uh, when he's down at the, uh, at the temple. Now, when he was in Jerusalem, this is John 2, 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name. Many believed in his name. This is good. And many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people. See, Jesus knew that there was something superficial about these people that wanted to get alongside him, these people that wanted to be with him, these people that wanted him to turn a trick, do a thing, that wanted to see a sign, but didn't really want to honour him. You see, a really key verse, we didn't, uh, didn't read this out, but just as Jesus is going through Samaria, it says in uh, John 2, verse uh, 41, it says there that the uh, Samaritans believed in the word. The Samaritans believed in the word. This is really important for what comes in a minute. Samaritans believed in the word. People in Galilee believed, but they believed in what he did. They believed in what he did. And that's the difference. That's the difference that we need to get hold of if we are going to embark on a season looking at the things that Jesus did, the things that Jesus is going to do in our midst. If we're going to preach a season on the signs and the wonders that Jesus does, we need to make sure that we don't get too caught up in what he does and miss who he is and what he says. And so now this official enters the story. And the question that we have to ask is, as John writes this gospel, is he introducing us to someone who is in the same mould as what has gone before? 
Someone who is going to welcome Jesus but not honour him. Somebody who is going to have a wrong relationship with Jesus. Or is he going to introduce us to someone who gets it right, who breaks the mould, who brings a new pattern? Well, let's see what happens. The official comes to Jesus, asks for him to come and heal his dying son. It says in the passage there, and Jesus says to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Now in English, the the word you can mean many things. It can mean that I'm talking to one person, Tony, I am talking to you. Or it could mean church, I'm talking to you. And that word can get translated either way, and it sometimes makes it very hard to understand what is actually being said. Not like French, where you have uh, tu and vous. You have the singular and the plural. That's the extent of my French, by the way. (laughs) And I looked that up to help me this morning. (laughs) But in Hebrew, in Hebrew, we do have the singular and the plural. And that's plural. And Jesus is talking to the crowd. And so what happens is this official comes and says, will you come and heal my son? And Jesus says to him, you, talking to the crowd, almost talking over him, almost uh, ignoring him. Jesus says to him, unless you see a sign, you won't believe. This is a hard thing to say to a broken man. This is a hard thing to say to a broken man who's travelled the 20-odd miles uh, uphill from Capernaum to Nazareth or to Galilee, where Jesus is probably 20 miles uphill in the sun, in the heat, leaving his dying son behind. And he suddenly gets this. You know, we need to dispel this myth of gentle Jesus, meek and mild. Sometimes he breaks into our lives with, uh, with things that don't make sense. Says things that we think, oh, wow, that, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? Unless you believe, unless you have a sign, you won't believe. Hey, look, I, I just want my son healed. just want my son healed. I, I'm sorry if I've interrupted some other debate, some other conversation, some other piece of teaching that has been going on. I'm, I've been a bit desperate to come to you. I, I'm sorry if I interrupted something. Sorry if you were teaching the crowd and I've just come and asked for my son. I don't want to break in, but hey, wow, just want my son healed. In in Mark chapter 7, we have the uh, story of the Syrophoenician woman. Her daughter is uh, demon-possessed. She comes to Jesus and said, will you heal my daughter? Well, what, what what an obvious thing to ask for. And Jesus says... Would I give the crumbs, or would I, would I give the bread to you that is to the people of God? What a hard thing to say. And she says, hey, even the dogs eat the crumbs. Just want the leftovers. Just want the leftovers. Wow, what, what faith, what, what a response. Jesus says some hard things sometimes. And you see, when we come to Jesus, we can very often have it all worked out. I know the answer that I need. I know the answer that he's going to give me. Hey, I'm coming to him for healing. I'm going to get healed. It's not difficult. We can join the dots from A to Z. This doesn't work. Would you make it work? And as this man has travelled this 20 miles or so to meet Jesus, he has probably played over 
the conversation and he's probably played over in his mind what's going to happen a dozen times. He's probably going to get there and, oh, maybe Jesus has moved on. Maybe you won't be able to find Jesus. Not really the days of instant communication and mobile phones. He's working on old news. Jesus was here, but it's taken him a day or so to get there. Maybe he'll get there and uh, Jesus will say, no, I'm sorry, I'm too busy. I'm not coming. Not coming. Maybe he'll get there and this is his plea, this is his prayer, this is his hope. Maybe he'll get there and Jesus will say, yeah, bring it on. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go and heal your son. He wasn't working on this one. He wasn't working on, unless you see a sign, you won't believe. Well, does that mean you're coming? Does that mean you're not coming? Is that the answer that I wanted? What's this all about? Have I interrupted you at the wrong moment? How do we deal when we don't get the answer that we quite expected, when we don't get the answer that we wanted? It says to him there that uh, Jesus says, go, your son is healed. This is really strange in a way, isn't it? It says here that the man believed. It actually says three times in this passage, the man believed. I mean, he had to believe in something to make this journey in the first place. Had to believe in something to leave his dying son. Walk for a day uphill in the sun to try and find Jesus. Maybe if I leave my son, it'll be too late. Maybe this is the last time I see him. He's believing in something. He's believing in something. And then when Jesus spoke to him and said, uh, go, your son will live. Well, the man believed in the word. The man believed. Notice that this, this man, he didn't argue. He didn't say, oh, come on, Jesus. That's not the Jesus I've heard about. That's not the healer I've heard about. He didn't find excuses. Look, I'm really sorry I've interrupted you, but this is important. This is important. No, when Jesus said go, he went. And it says there that uh, Jesus said to him, go, your son will believe. And the man believed. But he's believed already. But do you notice what it says here now? He believed in the word. See, this is the breakthrough. This is the breakthrough. This is, what, this is why Jesus has, to put it bluntly, been testing him. This is what it's all about. It's not, will you believe in the sign? Will you believe in the miracle? Yes, you believe that I could come and you know, there'll be thunder and there'll be lightning and there'll be a flash from heaven and your son would be healed. Yes, you believe in that. But will you believe in the word? Will you believe in me? Will you believe in who I am? And then it carries on and this man goes home and he meets his servant. His servants tell him that his son's well. It says there, uh, he asked his servants uh, when it happened and, uh, and they said, the seventh hour, the father knew this was the hour when Jesus said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed. Well, come on, he's already believed. He's believed back at the beginning of the story. He believed when Jesus spoke to him. Well, now he's believing. So, so, so when did he believe? Well, this is a journey of belief. This is a journey of belief. It's not a, a light switch that suddenly gets turned on. No, we, we believe in something. We hold on to something. We've got faith for something. And Jesus says, yeah, but I want that to grow. 
I want that to be bigger. I want that to be more. I want you to believe in me. Even when you don't get the answer that you want. Even when the response isn't the way that you wanted it to be. We need to see beyond the miracles. Because in the end of the day, we we are launching a whole season on the miracles. But what does it say in the scripture about the miracles? They're signs. They're signs. And a sign is not the destination. The sign points to a destination. Many of you will know my interests, my hobbies, my my lifelong ambition was to go to Kennedy Space Centre in Florida. And I did that. But did I stop at the signpost that said 20 miles? Did I rejoice at the signpost that says, you've only got 20 miles to go? Hey, I'm thousands of miles nearer than I've ever been before. No. Did I stop at the signpost that said it's 10 miles that way? No. The photo that I've got is me at Kennedy Space Centre. I didn't take a picture of the 10-mile sign or the 20-mile sign. And you see, the miracles, as amazing as they are, as what we are will praying for, for this whole season, I don't want to diminish them in any way, but we have to get hold of this, that the healing miracles are the sign that points to something deeper, that points to something greater, that points to Jesus that points to the healer, that points to the creator of the universe. And if he chooses to heal me, hallelujah. And if he chooses not to heal me, then hallelujah. I love the story in the Old Testament of the guys before the fiery furnace. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, their old name, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the guy says, oh king, we're not going to bow down before you. That was it, bow down or you get thrown in the fiery furnace. Oh, king, we're not going to bow down. Our God is able to save us. But if he doesn't save us, we still won't bow down. You know, if I was one of the other two, I'd be saying, you can't say that. Where's your faith? But if he doesn't save us. No, 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 he will save us. But if he doesn't. What's that about? Is that a lack of faith? No, that's not a lack of faith. That's not a lack of faith. That's saying, I'm believing in the person. If he heals me, hallelujah. If he doesn't heal me, hallelujah. He's the same God. He's the same unchangeable God. He's the same unstoppable God. That's what it's about. And so we, as we come to God today, as we come to God through this season for healing, we need to look to the person. We need to look to the man. We need to not look for the signs. We need to set aside the the things that bind us and hold us, the fears that we have that have been spoken of so clearly today already. Because there are fears that stop us coming to God. There are things that bind us and hold us and, and mean that we have a wrong relationship with Jesus. Means that we sort of welcome him, but we don't honor him. And I'll just call out two as, as draw this to the close so that we have some time for ministry. You see, one thing that we can do is we can have an attitude that says, he owes me. He owes me. I've been a Christian for 20 years. I've been coming to this church for 20 years. Where's my healing? 
How can it be that that person walks in off the door last week, not even saved, and gets healed? I've had my card stamped. I've had my register ticked. I've been doing the stuff. I've been turning up regularly. I've been serving. I've been doing the teas and coffee. Where's my healing? And God says, hey, I don't dance to your tune. I say this so carefully. I know I want to be humble in this because I know that there are people that are carrying real burdens and sicknesses and we want to pray for those. But I urge you not to have that attitude. There is, a, there is a, a, an irreducible complexity to the gospel. I wish it was so simple that when you've been here for enough time, you were guaranteed your healing. A little bit like, who remembers Green Shield stamps? That's a terrible illustration to use, isn't it? You, you've filled out the book. You've got enough stamps in the book. You can now get your gift. Yeah, I've been turning up for 10, 20 months regularly. Trade it in. Here's my healing. Yeah, your, your Starbucks coffee stamp. That's the, that's the more modern um, illustration, isn't it? Yeah, I've had my four cups of coffee. Where's my free one? We need to beware of that attitude because this is a gospel of grace. This is a gospel of grace. And do you notice this? Notice this, that Jesus says to the crowd, unless you see signs, you won't believe. It can so easily be taken as a rebuff, can't it, to this man? Hey, look, you know, I've just been telling these guys, signs are not what it's all about. You've just rocked up from points west and asked for a sign. Did you not hear what I was saying? But it's the gospel of grace, so what happens? He heals his son anyway. (laughs) He heals his son for all the reasons he just said. He had reasons to not heal him. But he healed him because it's the gospel of grace. So Jesus doesn't owe us, but he will heal. And then there's another uh, attitude that we can have that says, not that says, I'm owed a healing. One says, I'm not worthy of a healing. I'm not important enough. I have just come in through the back door this week. Who am I? Jesus doesn't know me, surely. You see, that's the complexity. It's a gospel of grace, but it's also a gospel of power. And Jesus knows every one of us, from the greatest to the least. And when Jesus heals this boy, everybody, I guess, in the crowd was hoping that there'd be the fireworks, the thunder, the lightning, the the glowing fingers, all the stuff that that you could think, oh yeah, we've seen the sign. What does Jesus do? He just, just says a word. Doesn't even raise his voice doesn't even raise his voice. does it at a distance. 20 miles away in Capernaum, this boy gets well. He could have been on the other side of the planet. Jesus just said a word. Do you see the power here? The power of the gospel. And it happened straight away. It wasn't, take the pill. Keep taking the pills. You'll be better in a few weeks. No, Jesus said, he's healed. Go, he's healed. This is the complexity of the gospel. It's a gospel of grace. It's a gospel of power, and we have to kind of mix it all up and somehow try to balance it, and somehow in the end we have to put our hands up and say, hey, we're not going to understand it, because, hey, we're not God. And what we do, if we do anything, is give God space to act in the way that he wants to act, to heal where he wants to heal, to maybe have a bigger plan 
that we're not part of. And none of that reduces faith. None of that takes away from faith. We come asking God to heal us. But not expecting, not thinking that we're owed. Interesting, this, this official says he was a royal official. A royal official. He was probably used to giving orders, probably used to expecting things. Probably not used to being told go or wait or getting an answer that wasn't very clear. This wouldn't have been his background. But he went and he trusted and he believed. I trust that we can do the same thing this morning and over these coming weeks. That we can come with faith. We can pray for healing. We can be expectant for healing. I, I don't know much of what's going to happen in the coming weeks. I do know two things are going to happen. I'm pretty sure two things are going to happen. Number one, we are going to see some amazing healings. I don't even need to say that because we've already seen it. So number one's already happened. I know we're going to see some amazing healings. What's the other thing? At the end of this season, we're still going to have people who need to be healed. We're still going to have people in wheelchairs. We're still going to have people with hearing problems, with sight problems. Someone walks in through the back door and says, hey, what have you been doing? Oh, well, we, we spent three months looking at the healing miracles of Jesus. Well, you've still got someone in a wheelchair. You've still got someone who can't hear. You've still got someone who's got sight problems, back pains. Doesn't seem to have been a very successful couple of months, does it? No, that's not what it's about. It's about coming to the man. It's about seeing through the signs to the person. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just...